All right, 2 Timothy, we're going to pray and then we'll dig into the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, I pray for anybody who's new here today that they would feel welcomed and loved. I pray if anybody here today doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we ask that man would decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So as we continue, if you, by the way, if you don't have an outline, there are outlines on the back table. They will help you follow along in the text. If you need a Bible, there are also Bibles on the back table that will help you to follow along as we go through God's word. It's really important that you follow along and you make sure I'm not making this stuff up. Can I get an amen? Amen. So raise your hand if you need a Bible or an outline. Anybody at all? Anybody? There you go. Anybody else? All right. So just quick reminder, because we're going to try to go through a lot of verses today. We'll see if we get through it. If we don't, we'll stop and we'll finish next week. But what we've seen so far is that the Apostle Paul is in prison. We know from history that this is the last place Paul is going to be before he's put to death. So Paul's at the very end of his life, and he's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, who is a younger pastor, who's been pastoring for a while at this point, in Ephesus, a church in a city that Paul planted. In Ephesus, there's pagan idolatry all around them. Sexual immorality is rampant. But even more significantly is, is persecution of the church. Caesar Nero was, was, the, was running the Roman Empire at the time. And this was a time when Christians were being fed to lions, when Christians were being covered in pitch and set on fire. And so what was happening is a lot of people were abandoning their faith because they were fearful that if they continued to be involved in the local church, that it would cost them their lives. And guys, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And we find out where we really are with the Lord when we go through very difficult times. Are we going to stand for God or are we going to bow to men? All right, we'll notice that Paul throughout this does never tells Timothy to hide. He doesn't say, hey, Timothy, it's getting tough. Go hide. Hey, Timothy, things are difficult. Maybe water down the message so the pagan world around you won't be so offended by it. He does just the opposite. He exhorts him throughout this letter in 2 Timothy to teach the whole counsel of God. That God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Guys, we're not fearful of lions, but we got people fearful of a flu bug that won't come to church. And as Christians, again, we need to use wisdom. I know there's people watching online that are, you know, having a pre-existing condition and God bless you, you use wisdom. But I want you to know that we, and I'm going to say it one more time because people texted us this week asking for having church today. We're always having church. Can I get an amen? amen? If you show up and we're not here, the rapture came and you need to repent. Can I get an amen? Because we are having church. Amen. And no matter what the government says, we obey the government till the government tells us to disobey God and we will obey God rather than man every time. Amen? And so this is a situation that we're in in 2 Timothy. Paul's writing a letter to his son in the faith. He's exhorting him. He's encouraging him to stand fast in the face of great tribulation. Now, if you have your outline, grab it. And I want you to notice, and the the things that are being emphasized in this chapter, we've already looked at. So look at the keep the main thing, the main thing side. It has the outline on the whole chapter. So, so far in chapter two, he's telling them to remain faithful in the midst of difficulty and to not allow trials and persecution to draw him away from his calling, to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. As we talked about last week, to remember Jesus. Guys, no matter what happens in the White House, remember Jesus. No matter what happens in your workplace, remember Jesus. No matter what's happening with your finances, remember Jesus. No matter how you're being tempted by the world, remember Jesus. Can I get an amen? And no matter, and if the person doesn't win the election that you wanted to win, remember Jesus. And so God is in control. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. And then lastly, last week, we talked about remembering his promises. So we remember the character of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. And then we're called to remember his promises. He promises never to leave us nor forsake us. Can I get a thing? Praise God for that. Amen. 
He will never leave you nor forsake you. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You have the promise of eternal life. Amen? He's gone away to prepare a place for you. Jesus is seen at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf right now. And we need to remember his promises. He has been faithful to all the promises that he's made so far and the promises that are yet to come. We know because he's always been faithful, he will always be faithful. Amen? Now turn that over and we'll take a look at what, we'll see if we get through all this today. If we don't, it's okay. We'll finish it next week. I tell the message for today, let me grab it, is we're going to look at what the Lord says to us about how, how we as not only keeping the main thing, the main thing, but also that we are called by the grace of God and God has a call and a plan for each of our lives. And God didn't save us so we could be set aside. And we're going to see it in this morning's text. By the way, I don't have the, the one from this morning. Can somebody hand me one? I've got last week still. And my memory's not as good as it should be. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. So the, one, the side that says, tools in the hands of the master. Tools in the hands of the master. We're going to see this morning as we continue looking first to be a diligent worker. So in light of who God is and what God has done and remembering Jesus and remembering his promises, we need to be diligent workers, faithful to your calling. Now remember, he's talking to pastors mainly, but applies to all of us. He's talking to Timothy as a pastor because if the pastor won't stand for the Lord, who in the world is going to? But it applies to everybody in the building. So be a diligent worker, faithful in your calling. He's saying this to Pastor Timothy and what you teach, in whom you seek approval from, and how you deal with false teachers. Then not only be a diligent worker, but be a sanctified vessel. Live a life that is set apart for the Lord, not your glory or your comfort. And how to prepare yourself to be used by God as a vessel of honor. What you flee from and what you pursue. As Christians, we are to flee youthful lust. Amen? And we are to run to the Lord. So it's not only what we flee from, but what we run toward. And then finally, if we get to it this morning, to be a gentle servant in the way you reach out to the law. So let's begin there in verse 14, 2 Timothy chapter 2, picking up where we left off last week. And again, he had just reminded them that God is faithful to his promises, to remember Jesus, and now be diligent, be a diligent worker first in what you teach. It says, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Remind them of these things. What things? The simple truth of the gospel. Back in verse 8, he said, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to the gospel. Paul had reminded Timothy, Paul, Pastor Timothy's job was to keep his congregation always focused on the gospel. The gospel is good news. The good news is that we are all sinners. We all deserve eternity separated from Almighty God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And because if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved to the glory of the Father. Guys, the good news is that we deserve hell. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can go to heaven. And guys, there's no better news than that. Can I get an amen? And so in a world filled with bad news, we need to remember the good news. We need to focus on the word of God. Keep our eyes on Jesus and focus on the gospel. It's a simple and profound truth of the redemptive work upon the cross of Calvary. His death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. But also the truths held in the verses that follow verse 8. It says, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. Because Paul boldly proclaimed the gospel, he had to deal with consequences. And if you and I make a stand for Jesus Christ, don't be surprised when there will be consequences. Amen? Now, don't be a jerk. Don't be self-righteous. Don't, don't look at other people as less than you. We're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Can I get an amen to that? But that being said, we need to be unashamed of the gospel. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. Amen? And we need to love people enough to have uncomfortable conversations. 
How many of you guys don't share your faith as much as you should because it's uncomfortable? Pretty much every hand in the room. Can I get an amen to that? And we need to pray for divine appointments and opportunities to lovingly and graciously, but boldly speak the truth into people's lives. Aren't you glad somebody told you about Jesus? Amen. And we need to have that same heart because the people that don't know the Lord today need to hear about the Lord. But he look, he says to Timothy, preach it with boldness, but guess what? I'm suffering because I did it. He doesn't say preach it with boldness and you're, you know, and then you're gonna have the most wonderful life ever. Come to Jesus and you'll get everything you ever wanted. Your best life now. My best life isn't now. My best life is in heaven. Can I get an amen to that? And we're going to suffer and go through difficulty for the things of God. But this is but light affliction when compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Amen? And we don't even know what persecution is in our country. But it's coming. And we need to stand for the Lord. Amen? If we died with him. We will also live with him. It says if we endure, we will reign with him. Be willing to suffer, to die to self, to endure difficulty for the sake of the gospel. And also it said, though, if we deny him, he will deny us. When we have opportunities to stand up for the Lord, I know we've all done it. I know I have. There's times when I've remained quiet and in so doing, I've denied him. Lord, help us not to deny him. Can I get an Amen. Pastor Timothy was to remind them to boldly proclaim the gospel and the cost of being a true disciple. And sadly, far too many pastors and churches today have strayed away from the simple yet profound message, proclaiming a man-centered gospel, a crossless Christianity. Churches are taking crosses out of their sanctuaries because they say the cross is offensive. Well, the cross of Christ is a rock. It's a stone of offense. But you know what? For us, it is the power of God. Can I get an amen? And you know what? We need to be offended if we don't know the Lord. Cross of Christ is a stone of offense. A lot of churches won't mention sin. By the way, if you didn't know it, you're all a bunch of sinners like me. Can I get an amen to that? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for the perfect. He died for the sinners. And you know what? They don't mention sin. They don't mention suffering. They don't mention our need for God. Uh, The result is men and women who call themselves Christians who are biblically ignorant and members of a religious country club. We're the, we're, they're godless, uh, the wordless faith movement, all these places where you come to Jesus and he'll give you everything you want. Guys, we don't come to Jesus so he'll give us stuff. We come to Jesus because he already gave his life for us. And when we come to him, we surrender our life to him because you know what? He will do a better job leading your life than you ever could. Can I get an amen to that? And he knows what's best for us. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, but also to convict us. And praise God for conviction. Amen? Look, I don't want to go to a church where I don't get convicted every week. Because the word of God brings conviction. Amen? We're living in a time when many, many, again, in the church of Ephesus had walked away in the midst of persecution. And again, there's still that same thing going on today where people are watering down the message because they're afraid of offending people. I pastored a church in Santa Cruz, most of you know, for 10 years, and we had an evangelical minister's fellowship, and then a bunch of the people came out and said they wanted to take evangelical out because that was offensive to non-evangelicals, as if they're not evangelical, they shouldn't even be here until they get saved. Can I get an amen? And I don't understand this, this big tent thing. Now look, do we love the Buddhists? What's the answer? Of course we do. And do we love the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses? Of course we do. Do we love the, the pagans? Do we love anybody that, that doesn't know the Lord? Of course we do. But what we don't do is we don't approach them and make them comfortable in their sin and have them falsely believe that they can go to heaven and live in open rebellion against Almighty God. Can I get an amen to that? And so what do we do? We need to lovingly and graciously let them know. Look, you know what Satan does? Satan invented Buddhism. Satan invented Hinduism. Satan invented Islam. Satan invented the Mormon church. Satan invented the Jehovah's Witnesses. Why? Because he wants to take our eyes off the true and living God and get us to follow a lie so we can spend eternity in hell with him. Amen? Now, we love all of those people. And we're not self-righteous because we're better than anybody else. But we believe this book. Can I get an amen? 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because God wrote the book. And so we don't study the books of men. We study the word of God. Amen? 
That's why he's reminding them. He said, remind them of these things. And you know what? I'm repetitive. I know it. Some people, Pastor Dave, you're so repetitive. And then I'll say, well, what was the main theme of last week's study? Uh, that's why I'm repetitive. Can I get an amen? That's why we have outlines. That's why we go over it again because we forget. Amen. And he's, he's telling them, remind them. And then he says this, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words, to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. The word charging in Greek is to attest or protest earnestly. At the same time, there were things that were, that they were not to focus on. The secondary, non-essential issues. Now look, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so man builds up countenance of his friend. And we can always sit down and have theological discussions. And it can be an opportunity for us to grow. But that should not be the priority and passion of our life. Why? Because we are called to fulfill the great commission, which is to go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So part of discipleship is helping people grow in their faith. But guys, we can get so focused on secondary issues that we divide over something that is a non-essential. And when two Christians are fighting over a secondary issue, it often will cause people that don't even know God to wonder why would they want to follow a God where the people who love the Lord can't even agree with each other. Now, we have different denominations because we have different beliefs on secondary issues. I get it. But we need to keep the main thing the main thing. Can I get an amen? And we shouldn't be dividing over secondary issues and we shouldn't spend all of our time. I was in India years ago. I used to go every year in October and teach up to a thousand pastors how to study and teach their Bible. And I was there during Diwali, which is the high Hindu holiday. And literally they had, and, and, and uh, Ramadan coincide at the same time. So half the country's Muslim, half of it's Hindu, and they're all celebrating. And they had told me, don't leave your hotel because you're a white guy and they're not going to like you. And, and you're a Christian, they're really not going to like you. And I went out every night and talked about Jesus anyway, because you can't threaten me with heaven. Can I get an amen to that? But what happens is, though, I met this Christian guy who was working in the hotel, and he wanted to debate me every night whether you baptize in the name of Jesus or in the name of Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he wanted to debate me every night. And I'm like, bro, there's a billion people here that need Jesus. And you want to debate me about a second, by the way, you're wrong about it anyway, but I would debate about the secondary issue that you're so focused on that, that we're walking by people that need Jesus while you're debating me on, do we name, baptize the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or in the name of Jesus only? Guys, help. We will walk by a thousand people who need Jesus to debate with somebody who's already going to heaven. Amen? Now, again, I'm not saying there aren't times we can... Build each other up. We can. And I'm not saying if you have a sincere question that we shouldn't ask it. You should. But what I'm saying is that as believers, we need to be focused on the gospel above all else. Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. It says words of no profit to the ruin of hearers. There are people that will have a pet doctrine, they will beat it into the ground, and they will cause that to be the thing that divides them. They'll stop fellowshipping with people because they disagree on something that has nothing to do with the gospel. It's a secondary issue. I've had people leave our church because we have drums. I love Tad. Can I get an amen? I love the drums. They're biblical. Well, we got drums. That's, not, that's the beat of the devil. No, it's in the word of God and get over it. Can I get an Amen. We're entering the presence of the Lord. And we have secondary. You don't wear suits and ties at your church. I thought you guys were saved. But people say, I had that this week, two days ago. Do you guys wear suits and ties? I wrote back, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. What difference does it make? Amen. Let's not get scripture involved. Can I get an amen? But the point I'm making is, let's not allow these secondary issues to draw us away from the simple truth. And those who argue, here's what I found out about those who argue. They tend not to set up chairs. They tend not to serve. They tend not to be on time. And they tend to be the one that wants to occupy all of your time after they haven't even listened to the message that was being taught. And because they love to debate, they love to be right, and they're, they're often very arrogant. So Lord, help us not to fall into that trap. Amen? So number one there 
in what you teach or share to others. Be faithful to your calling. He's telling them, remind them of these things. Keep the main thing the main thing. Secondly, he tells them in whom you seek approval from. Verse, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to men. Is that what it says? Be diligent to, to present yourself approved to God. Being a pastor is not a popularity contest. Now, some people think it is. And they'll change their doctrine based on, they're like politicians. They'll change their doctrine based on what most people believe. Don't take this wrong. Go ahead and take it wrong. Whatever. Here's the reality. I don't care what you think. I really don't. What what I mean by that is, I don't teach based on what you think. I teach based on what this says. Can I get an amen? If you get a committee, you won't do this. But if you got a committee and said, Pastor, we just really, we believe this. And you need to change what you're teaching. Sorry. You can vote with your feet. Can I get an amen? The reality is we will teach the word of God even if nobody else does. And it's not a popularity contest because I'm going to stand before almighty God on judgment day and be judged by him by how faithful I was to this, not how faithful I was to what you wanted to hear. Can I get an amen to that? And there's plenty of churches that will blow sunshine your way and tell you what you want to hear every week. They're out there if that's what you're looking for. But the word of God is what transforms us. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by not the wisdom of man, but the word of God. And he says to Timothy, you be faithful because you're going to stand before almighty God. You're going to be held judged by him on how faithful you were with the calling he has placed upon your life. And he says to him, the word diligent there means to study in Greek, to use speed, to make effort, to labor, to be prompt. Pastor, to be approved to God, must study. He must be diligent. He must labor in the word. You've heard me say it before. If the pastor won't bother studying, we shouldn't bother listening. Amen? And so when you have a calling on your life, it's going to cost you something. And it doesn't just apply to the pastors, it applies to the worship team, the people that show up early to set up chairs, the people that do the videos, the people that do our books, the people that serve in the children's ministry, the people that edit our radio programs. The people, it's stuff that's well, it's going to require a sacrifice to some level on our part, but we do it for the Lord. Amen? And we do it for his approval, not the praise of men. And there's a reason that you have people watering down the gospel because they want the praise of men and they fear men more than they fear God. And they're more concerned about drawing a crowd than making disciples. And so the exhortation here is to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word worker means a toiler, a laborer. The Bible tells us that the work of every Christian will be examined at the vehemency judgment of Christ. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And for a pastor to be unashamed at the examination of his work, he must be a diligent workman, one who labors and toils in the word. And so to each Christian, our faithfulness to our calling will be examined. We're not going to be judged for our salvation. We're already saved. Aren't you glad? Thank you, Lord. But we will be judged on how faithful we've been with the gifts God has given us and how faithful we were to the word of God. It says rightly dividing the word of truth. I love the word dividing. It literally means to cut a straight path. Man, I like that. It means cutting a straight path. So as you're mowing through a field, you're cutting a straight path. It doesn't get blown every direction by the, by the winds of the world. It isn't moved by obstacles. It's a straight path that is cut without compromise, without watering it down and without worrying about what other people think, but being faith to what God has called us to do. And I'll tell you what, we need pulpits in America filled with people like that. Can I get an amen? who will rightly divide the word of truth, but we need to rightly divide it. As husbands, rightly dividing the word of truth with your wife, with your children. Whatever God's calling is upon your life, we need to be people of the word. It requires time. It requires diligence to cut a straight line. You can't just, you know, when you're cutting a straight line, you get out of level, right? You take the time to measure it. You don't just eyeball it. It turns into a mess. Can I get an amen? And the same is true with the word of God. We don't just make it up as we go along. You got to spend time in God's presence. And again, not all truly rightly divide. Many manipulate scripture to meet their own desires. Somebody on my Facebook page 
said, if anybody could come back to life and you could talk to him, who would you want to talk to? And the first guy said, Jesus. And this very liberal friend of mine wrote below it. Yeah, because he could come back and tell us he didn't really say all those things that are in the Bible. And so we had a response. 66 books, 40 authors, three continents, fulfilled prophecy. Can I get an amen? Let God be true and every man a liar. We don't change this Bible so I feel better about my life. You know what? I'm a sinner in desperate need of a savior. Amen. While we were at sinners, Christ died for us, but the word of God is the truth. Again, a pastor must work hard to rightly divide the word of truth. And this comes through his own intimate fellowship with God. St. Timothy, you need to be in the word and you need to be in intimate fellowship with God or you're going to be of no value ministering to anybody. And that's true for all of us. And it's certainly true for pastors today. Our approval comes from God and, the, and Timothy's approval would come as he diligently worked and labored and rightly divided the word of truth that, that he fed the sheep a healthy meal. What did Paul say to, what did, what did uh, Jesus say to Peter? If you love me, what? Feed my sheep. So my love for God and your love for God, if you teach the word of God to anybody, is expressed in the way you feed others. If you love the, if you love the Lord, you will feed his sheep. And if we don't feed his sheep, the sheep are going to, the, the fence is down and they should go somewhere else. One of the things that I, especially in Santa Cruz, I just get this. They say, well, your church is so big and it's growing and you're stealing our sheep. I'm like, bro, you can't steal sheep that are fed. Amen. Feed a stray cat. See what happens. He will move into your backyard. Can I get an amen? And if we are fed well, we will stay. Can I get an amen to that? Now, we might get offended because our lifestyle doesn't stack up with the word of God, and we may want to go somewhere else to find someone who will tell us it's okay. But guys, if we're feeding people the truth, again, if they've been drinking milk their whole life and you feed them a steak, they're going to come back next week. Can I get an amen? The word of God is true. So first, keep the main thing the main thing. Be a diligent worker in what you teach and whom you seek approval from. And then now how you deal with false teachers. Look at verse 16. It says there, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. The word shun there is to stand above, to separate, to stay away from. The word profane is wicked, heathenish, common, and vain babblings is empty, fruitless words or discussions. He's saying here that to stay away from them, to shun this profane, to stay away from wicked, heathen, common, empty, and fruitless discussions. Man's opinions, teaching polls, stories, programs are all profane, vain babblings compared to the simple truth of God's word. Amen? By the way, we're not, we're not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly either. And this is an epidemic. I know at local church that somebody called me and they said that they needed counseling. So they sent them, they, the church paid to send them to a secular psychologist to give them counsel. Psychology. Now look, if you love psychology, forget. No, don't. Don't forgive me. Here's, here's the thing. Freud and Young and all the founders of psychology are all dead atheists burning in hell. We're not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Can I get amen? amen. We walk in the word of God. Who's the mighty counselor? Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is, amen? So we need the word of God to be the one that counsels us. You can go to a hundred unbelieving counselors and they'll give you a hundred different answers and the word of God will give you the same answer every single time, amen? And there's consistency in the word of God. And he says, don't, but shun profane and idle babblings. They will increase to more ungodliness. When such things are taught from the pulpit, it will increase to more ungodliness. God's word transforms lives. Man's word corrupts them. That's why I want you to have a Bible. That's why when we, if and when we get back into a building again, and we have word, you know, we have the outlines on us, we'll never put the words on the screen. You know why? Because I want you to read it in here. If you don't open this up on Sunday, you're not going to open it up on Tuesday. Amen. And we want you to open up the word and see it and make sure I could type anything on a screen. I want you to read it out of here because this is the foundation, the word of God. The results are ungodliness, a lack of reverence toward God, uh, reverence and faith grow through time in the word. It says in Colossians 2, 
Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty, empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For him, him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. You know what? Our faith, our hope, the truth, our direction for life is all found in Jesus Christ and his word. And if you deny the word of God, you are denying the God of the word. Amen. And we have people today that I get comments that are, that their lifestyle is different. And they want the, they'll say, well, the word of God doesn't say that. You show it to them 12 different places. And they want to continue to live the life they want to live without having to surrender to the Lord. And they expect God to bless it. God's not going to. By the way, you've heard me say it 100 times, 101 won't hurt you. The word of God and the law is not a fence to keep you out of Disneyland. It is a guardrail to keep you from driving off a cliff. Can I get an Amen. So when you disobey the word of God, you're headed to destruction. He's not keeping you from fun. He's keeping you from harm because God loves you far more than you will ever comprehend. This week, I had all of my kids and all of my grandkids at my house for the first time since my daughter and my son-in-law got married 13 years ago. And I want to tell you something. I was just, so, oh, the greatest week. So amazing. And the hard part is taking them to the airport. And seeing all my grandsons get on that plane and fly away, knowing I won't see them again for, for some time. And, I, and the love I have for my grandkids, there's just no words. Grandparents here, you get it. I get, there's just no words. I can't, I can't even put into words. You know what? God loves me more than I love my grandkids. God loves you more than you love your children and your grandchildren. And you can't even imagine that, that, it's, that, that that's possible. So when I give instruction to my kids and my grandkids, it's because I love them and want what's best for them. Well, all my, and I'm an imperfect grandpa. I'm an imperfect papa. But you know what? He's a perfect God who loves you. And when he gives you instructions, it's because he loves you and you need to trust his love for you. Can I get an amen to that? Your feelings will lie to you. Well, I feel like this is okay. Your feelings can be, you, their feelings are real, but they're wrong. They can be wrong and sinful. Amen. We need to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Stay away from such ungodly and false teaching. Why? Look at verse 17. Their message will spread like cancer. Their message will spread like cancer. I think it was Spurgeon who said that the, the lie will, will circle the globe three times while the truth is putting its shoes on. And it's so true that the lie spreads so quickly. And the cancer, the word there in, in one of the translations is like gangrene. Something that as soon as you, the lie, that lie of the devil, it spreads. And see, people come to me, well, the Mormon church must be true because it's growing so fast. Uh, grow, something growing doesn't make it true. Amen? Just because it grows, it can be a lie that grows quickly. By the way, if, if, if someone knocks on your door and said, by the way, we're from a religion. And, and here's the good news. You're going to be God on your own planet one day. And the God of our planet used to be a man on another planet. And he was such a good man, he got to be God of this planet. And by the way, you're going to populate that whole planet. That's why you can have a bunch of wives serving you now. You're going to have multiple wives. They'll all be serving you. You'll be the king. They'll worship you. And you're going to be God of your own planet. You're going to get a lot of guys signing up for that. It's called Mormonism. And they say Jesus and Satan are brothers. And you know what happens? That's a lie. And it's spreading like cancer. And Mormons are nice people because they're trying to earn heaven. And we love the Mormons. Can I get an amen to that? We love them. When they come to my door, I love them. But guess what? It's a lie of the devil. And how do we know that? Because the word of God is true. Their message will spread like cancer. The evil that continues to spread and corrupt until it kills unless it is cut out. See, when false teachers come into, when, when cancer comes into a healthy body, Somehow that cancer has to be removed or that body will die. And the same is true in a healthy church. If something comes in that is cancerous, some false teaching comes in and it's not dealt with, it will destroy the host. It will destroy the church. And so we have to be loving enough and gracious enough. And people say, well, you know, we're just supposed to love everybody and sing kumbaya. And even if one guy's, you know, the cancer that's killing everyone in the room, no, cut him out. Pray for them. We want to see them saved, but that false teaching has got to go. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And Paul's exhorting him, saying, look, Timothy, 
There might be guys, we're going to see some that say the resurrection already happened. They're going to have people running in fear because they they could be fed to lions. And you know what? It's It's a gnarly time to be a Christian and there's a great amount of persecution. And because of all of that, there's false teaching that's coming into the church. It says, Timothy, you got to cut it out. Because if you don't, it will spread like cancer. It says, Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. Today, we are far too tolerant of false doctrine. We're far too tolerant. Error being taught as truth shouldn't be tolerated any more than arsenic would be tolerated in our Thanksgiving dinner. Can I get an Amen. Hey, we made this wonderful dinner. I spilled a little arsenic somewhere in here. I'm not sure where. But other than that, it's pretty good. We'd be pitching that whole meal. Can I get an amen? And that's what happens. Well, I go to this church, and yeah, they got these funky things over here they believe, but but the worship's really cool, and I love the smoke machine. It's pretty fun, and it's entertaining, and Bozo the Clown's in the parking lot, but there's a little bit of arsenic in there, but I can chew up the meat and spit out the bones. Look, if it's got bones, I don't want it. Can I get an amen to that? We need to teach the truth, the whole counsel of God, and we need to cut out the false teaching. We're not to be tolerant of false teaching, that is foolish. The bar is set by God and we can't lower it to let in more people. Amen? It's not man's opinion that saves you, but the cross of Calvary and there are no shortcuts. Amen? So Hymenaeus and Philetus, it's really cool your name's in the Bible, except when you're these two guys. <laughs> this is the second time they've been mentioned. Back in chapter in 1 Timothy 1, it said, holding faith in good conscience which some having put away concerning the faith have made shipwreck of whom Hymenaeus and, Al- of Alexa- and Alexander, who have, I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Hymenaeus is immortal, immortalized in scripture. So is Philetus for being false teachers. Now I have people that every time I mention other, you know, religions, when I mentioned false religions, people say, well, pastor, that's not very loving. I want to tell you the most unloving thing I can do is let you believe that a lie is the truth. Amen. And the word of God names names. We just saw Paul do it. Can I get an amen to that? Now, we love them. We're not self-righteous. We're not better than them. But they're lost and they need Jesus. And Jesus is the only answer. Amen. Notice what it says there, verse 18, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. See, some believe that the resurrection had come, they had missed it somehow. And they were concerned because of that. And it was causing people to lose their faith. Well, if the resurrection came and we missed it, then it's too late for us. And now we're going to be fed to lions. So they're abandoning the faith. And what happens is when someone preaches a false gospel, they stray away from, from the truth. And again, false teaching about an essential doctrine. They denied the future and physical resurrection of all believers. And it brings into, re, into question the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the way, if you deny the resurrection, you're not a Christian. Can I get an amen to that? If you reject the cross, you're not a Christian. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did Jesus have to go to the cross if we could be good enough to get into heaven without it? Amen? Jesus had to go to the cross because our sin has separated us. You can't have one sin in heaven or you got earth part two. So we're all sinners. How many of you have ever told a lie in your life ever once? And if your hand's not up, you're lying right now. So <laughs> exaggerated anything. So, okay, well, how many sins does it take to be a sinner? How many murders does it take to be a murderer, Right. And so we're all sinners and there can be no sin in heaven. So we think we're good people because we compare ourselves to other people. And you know what? Comparing ourselves to other people, we can always find someone worse than us. I'm no Osama bin Laden. Glad you're raising the bar high for yourself there, bro. I'm no Adolf Hitler, right? Here's the good news though. Here's the bad, here's the truth though. We don't compare ourselves to people. We compare ourselves to Christ. How are we doing? Not too good. Can I get an Amen. So when we compare ourselves to Christ, we recognize we're sinners. And that means we need a savior because we can't go into heaven with sin. So while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He suffered as if you lived your life so you could be rewarded as if you lived his. That is the truth of the gospel. Can I get an amen? And praise God for that. 
But false teaching will, will, will invade and will bring destruction. And it says they overthrow the faith of some. False doctrine left unchallenged will have disastrous results. And one false doctrine leads to another. And the end result is faith has been abandoned. By the way, we don't need to fly all over the country to see prophets. I get these things all the time. The Kansas City prophets are coming to Southern California. Well, you know what? I got 40 prophets right here. And I've had them all along. Can I get an amen to that? We don't need, look, the local church, God will bring the people into the local church with the gifts that are needed for the local church to flourish. Can I get an amen to that? And we're not to bring in outside people who've got a new word. By the way, if it's new, it's not true. Because the word of God is true. Amen. And we serve an unchanging God. So keeping the main thing, the main thing, be diligent worker, faithful to your calling in what you teach, in whom you seek approval from, and in how you deal with false teachers. Next, be a sanctified vessel. Be a sanctified vessel. So sanctified vessel, standing on a solid foundation. Notice what he's going to say here is living a life that is set apart for his use, not your glory or your comfort. We exist to know God and to make him known. Amen. He came to you might have life and life more abundantly, but we are called to know him and to make him known. We talk about this often. We've been justified just as if we never sinned when we repented and surrendered our life to the Lord. And we're being sanctified, set apart unto the Lord, being molded more into the image of our Savior until the day we are glorified. So sanctification is a process that lasts a lifetime. And as believers, we should be growing more and more like our Savior. We should be growing in our relationship with Him. We should be drawing closer to Him. My prayer is I'm closer to the Lord tomorrow than I am today. Amen? And that's the sanctification process that is at work in our lives. And so we need to be sanctified or set apart vessels unto the Lord. Tools in the hands of the master being used for his kingdom and its glory. Look at verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having his seal. The solid foundation. So while the lie falls apart, while the false doctrine is cancer, where everything else passes away, the word of God endures forever. Amen? L. Ron Hubbard proclaimed himself Dianetics, right? Church of, you know... He, he proclaimed himself to be God. And he died. And he did not raise from the dead. Can I get an amen? Muhammad's dead. Buddha's dead. Charles, Charles Taze Russell. Uh, Joseph Smith. They're all dead. We can dig up their bones. Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who was triumphed over sin and death. Amen? And what he says here in this verse is the solid foundation of God stands. See, the, 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 the house that's built upon the sand, the false gospels that are taught out in the world, they all fall apart. Over time, they are brought to nothing. But the word of God endures forever. Had it been sounded the alarm of the severe attack on the church that they were under, the persecution from outside, people being imprisoned, fed to wild lions, the false teaching from within, the profane and idle babblings, the false teachers' messages spreading like cancer, even naming Hymenaeus and Philetus. He then goes on to say, nevertheless, notwithstanding, all the attacks upon the faith, all the outward persecution, all the inward deception and desertion, the solid foundation of God's word will always stand. Isn't it good to know? Can I get an amen? Is Christianity under attack in our country right now? What's the answer? If you don't think so, you're not paying attention. You know, strip clubs are open, but not churches. Home Depot is open, not churches. Liquor stores, not churches. Casinos, not churches. You know, when we were back at the VOS and we still had our building, we're like, if we put a roulette table in the corner, can we have church? (laughs) Right? So we see that they're propping up ungodly behavior and then attacking our freedom to meet. Now, while the Constitution gives us the, the freedom to meet, Praise God for the Constitution, but we don't meet because of the Constitution. We meet because the Word of God commands it. And the Word of so if even if they went in and changed the Constitution, it won't change this. Amen? See, the Word of God does not change. 
Even if false teachers come, even if all the things that tax on the church, here's the good news. I've read the end of the book. God wins. Amen. God wins. And we're on God. If God is for us, who can be against us? We serve a faithful God. The solid foundation of God stands and makes it clear that the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Men may be shaken. Men may fall away at the threat of persecution, but the kingdom of God, the word of God, the church of God, and the true followers of God cannot and will not be. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse eight, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord. False doctrine is like cancer. It eats away, it spreads and destroys, but the word of God brings forth life, abundant life. God has a plan, God has a purpose, God has a strategy, and it's not going to fail. All the outward attacks and persecution in the world can't stop it. All the false teachers and false doctrine can't destroy it. And no matter who who is in the White House, who's in Congress, who's in the House, who's our governor, they can't stop it either. Can I get an amen? We need to recognize that. Doesn't matter how many fall away, how many reject the truth, how many go their own way after profane and vile babblings. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God's word stands. Should bring hope to all of us. Amen. And it says, having the seal, the word there is an inscription. It indicates ownership. And two parts of this seal are the solid foundation of God. This, you know, the Bible tells us that in Ephesians 1, we're blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, assured. Well, that assurance, it says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. How do you know that you're going to heaven? Well, we trust the promise of what God, God's word says. We believe in our confess with our mouths. So we trust what the word of God says. But then he seals us. He gives us a down payment on heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't base your salvation just on the feeling, the warming of the bosom the Mormons talk about. Amen. It's got to be in alliance, aligned with the word of God. But the Holy Spirit is a down payment on heaven. He comforts you and he convicts you. And this is how, again, as believers, you know, before you were saved, you responded different to when you did things that were sinful. Amen. And as Christians, we still sin. We're not sinless, but we should sin less. Amen. And we respond differently to our sin. But he's letting us know here that this seal, this inscription that's upon us, the, there's two different things that are spoken of. The first one speaks of the sovereignty of God. He knows who are his. Does God know who's saved? What's the answer? Does he know who's going to be saved? What's the answer? Does he make people become saved? No. He offers salvation universally. It's accepted individually. He knows who's going to respond but he doesn't force us to respond. So he's sovereign. But secondly, it also speaks to the responsibility of man. So God is sovereign, but man also has free will. And the righteous response of one who has truly been touched by God will see the fruit and the transformation in their life. By your fruit, they shall know you. I was having a discussion just yesterday with somebody, professing Christian, whose life's not really reflecting it. And again, you can take, 10 steps, 100 steps, 1,000 steps, a million steps away from God, it's only one step back, amen? And if you're today and you've been walk, walking in rebellion, you're living outside of God's will, you know that you're compromising your walk with God, it's time to get right with God again today. Can I get an amen to that? But we, we've all had times where we, we, we move away from the truth of God's word. The good news is the Lord knows who are his. And the Lord will comfort us and convict us because we belong to him. He will draw us back into himself because he's a gracious God. Now, we can fool men into thinking that we're saved. We can even fool ourselves into thinking that we're saved, but we can't fool God. Amen? God knows the truth. And by the way, we as Christians should be people of godly character and integrity. Now, it's not a works-based salvation. We're not saved by works. Lest any man should boast, we're saved by faith. Amen? But that being said, true faith will produce good works. And if you give your life to Jesus and your life never changes, it's concerning as to whether or not you've truly been saved. It says in Romans 8, the Spirit himself bears witness with, with, with our spirit that we are children of God. But with others, we cannot always know those who are his. I don't know for sure that anybody in this room is saved. I have an idea, but only God knows. Can I get an amen to that? But we can know that we're saved. And it's not arrogance. It's understanding and trusting in the promises of God. 
When people ask me, are you going to heaven? Absolutely. If someone says, when you ask someone, are you going to heaven? They say, I hope so. They don't know the Lord if they're only hoping. Christianity is not a hope so, it's a no so. Can I get an amen to that? Know for sure that by the shed blood of the lamb, the promise, promise of Christ, Jesus Christ crucified, risen from the dead, that I'm going to heaven. He's made me a new Christ, creation in Christ. He's filled me with his Holy Spirit. The Lord knows those who are his and those who are not. Those who are only pretending or those who have fooled themselves in believing that they are his. It says again there, the Lord knows at the end of verse 19, those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ Depart from iniquity. Now, notice what it says. God knows who they are, but then he exhorts them. There is power in purity. Can I get an amen to that? We're called to live holy lives. Now, there are people that will teach that if you're really walking with the Lord, you'll never sin again. I, that's not, I just don't believe that's possible. Amen? Because I'm dragging this dead carcass around. Can I get an amen to that? Now, that being said... I respond differently to sin. And the closer I get to the Lord, the shorter amount of time of when I sin and when I repent. Can I get an amen to that? So as soon as I sin, I'm gripped. The word may not even be out of my mouth yet. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Now, before, before when you would sin, you didn't repent at all. Then you got saved. And maybe as a baby Christian, you would go days or weeks or even months without repenting. But the closer you get to the Lord, that becomes hours, minutes, seconds, nanoseconds. Can I get an Amen. And that what happens is, when, because the closer you get to the Lord, the more it grieves you. I've shared this before. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he's a prince of preachers in the 1800s. He's walking across the street in downtown London, and, you know, uh, horse-drawn carriages are going back and forth, and he stops in the middle of the street. There's two other pastors. They've gone to lunch, and they're yelling at him. He's standing in the middle of the street, and he's, you know, being like be in the middle of a freeway today, and he wouldn't move. He gets to the other side, and the guy said, what were you doing, Pastor Spurgeon? What were you doing? He said, I'd had an evil thought in my mind. And I didn't want to take another step till I got right with God. Now that's someone who takes sin seriously. Can I get an amen to that? And there needs to be that heart where let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. It says in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in thy name, and done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Guys, we not, must not just know about God. You need to know him. Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Do you think about him all day, every day? Do you wake up with him on your mind? Does the Holy Spirit comfort and convict you all day long? I don't want one moment apart from the Lord. How about you? And then there's and again, depending on where you are in your faith, you might think about the Lord on Sunday morning at 9.30 when you got to get in the car. And I'm glad you're here. But guys, we need to go beyond religion to a relationship. Amen? And it's not just knowing about God, but knowing Him. I've used this analogy plenty of times. You can pick any famous person you want. You know, Michael Jordan, okay? He was a great basketball player. He won six NBA titles. He played for the Bulls and the Wizards. He tried to play baseball. He wasn't very good. You know, you go, I, I can tell you all, a bunch of, he went to North Carolina. He was drafted third. I go through all this stuff about him. I get in an elevator with Michael Jordan. He has no idea who I am. If I get too close to him, he'll probably hit me or put a bodyguard in front of me. Can I get amen? But there's people who know about God. They know what the word of God says. They know that Christmas is Jesus' birthday. They know about Easter is the resurrection. They know about God. They can tell you things about God. They, they learn uh, songs in Sunday school. This is a light of mine. Jesus loves me, this I know. And they can tell you a lot about God. But when they stand before him on judgment day, he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Guys, it's not enough to know about God. You need to know him. We're married to Jesus. We're the bride of Christ. He should be your best friend and the one you love more than anyone else. Can I get an amen to that? And when you seek first the kingdom of God and his right, when your passion is for the things of God, it's going to transform every aspect of your life. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from in iniquity. Again, as believers, we should not be making excuses for our sin. We should be grieved by it and running from it. 
And it's true that God knows those who are his, and he calls those who are his to leave their sin behind. I belong to the Lord. I, you know, some say, I, I belong to the Lord. I prayed a prayer, and I, I, now I know I'm going to heaven. I got my get-out-of-hell-free card. I put it in my wallet. I went forward at a crusade, or I went forward at a retreat when I was a kid. And maybe I even have a baptismal certificate. I put them up in my office next to my, you know, my get-out-of-hell-free card and think I could just go live like the world. But here's the difference. If you know the Lord, you won't be happy living like the world. Amen? You won't be content living like the world. You'll be grieved living like the world, and you'll know that you are, again, outside of his will. No desire or actions apart from sin. It's fair to ask, does that person belong to the Lord? See, it's not enough for Jesus to be Savior. He must be Lord. If you believe in your heart and confess your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, in the New Testament, the word Savior is 24 times. The word Lord, over 600 times. He wants not to just be your Savior, but your Lord. Amen? And he's either Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. Lord, uh, on the throne of my life, walking, serving, following, submitting my life to him, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Let me ask you all a question. Don't you have way more joy now than you ever did before you knew Christ? Raise your hand if that's true. But some people say, oh, you became a Christian. Now you got that book of rules and you can't have any fun. You can't go out and puke in the gutter on the weekends anymore. And you can't go out and catch sexually transmitted diseases anymore. And you can't go out and do all this other nonsense. And they think, I had a lady, one of my coworkers up in San Jose, she said, you know, I, I'd love to give my life to the Lord, but I'd have to quit drinking. And I said, let me tell you something. The spirit is way better than the spirits. Can I get an amen? Be not drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Guys, what the Lord has for us is so much better than anything the flesh can feed us. Amen? Guys, we're not giving up anything for the Lord. We're gaining everything when we get Jesus. Can I get an amen? And it's a joy that the world doesn't even understand. Well, as Christians, we continue in sin. We're no longer slaves to it, but we're grieved by it. Peter admonishes, therefore, gird up your loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest, uh, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. As Christians, we must not cheapen God's grace by making excuses for continuing in our sin. His seal on the inside will change our actions on the outside. The Holy Spirit on the inside changes our actions on the outside. If, the, if your outside actions don't change, there's been no salvation. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but there will be a transformation in the way you view sin and the way that you live your life. Again, not sinless, but we should sin less. Depart from it. Don't wallow in it. A useful tool in the hand of the master. We're not going to finish. Surprising no one in the building. So stand on a solid foundation. Be a vessel for honor. Now let's finish up. Let's do a few more verses here. Look at verse 20. I want you to notice here again that being a vessel for honor, it says here, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor, others for dishonor. The great house there built upon the solid foundation speaks of the body of Christ, the church. And because of who it belongs to, which makes it great, we belong to the Lord. Because of the great cost it took to build it, it was the cross of Calvary makes it great. Because of its great importance, it's the center of God's plan for the ages. There are vessels for gold and silver. There are vessels of honor. There are vessels that God uses within the body of Christ that are honoring unto the Lord, but also vessels of dishonor. And it might say, hey, I don't mind. You know, some people will say, well, I don't mind being a, a vessel of dishonor as long as I'm in the house of the Lord. But we all should be, we should all desire to be used for the kingdom of God and for his glory. Gold and silver are precious. You know what's the difference between gold and silver and wood and clay? Gold and silver endure through the fire. Amen? And wood and clay melt. 
And fire in the word of God can be seen as persecution or outside things that come toward us. And it's one thing to stand for God for a moment. And it's another thing to be melting away at that fervent heat. Amen? Guys, it's heated up for us. Look, we're not persecuted one-tenth of, of so many people all around the world. But I've seen a change in Christians and in pastors, which is by something that is light affliction. And they're melting away at the heat being turned up a few degrees. Guys, God is still God and God is still on the throne and God is still faithful. And there's no way in the world we should be melting away because of the smallest amount of persecution or opposition from the world. Look, I get it all. I get it almost every day. People call me, you're not, you're not submitting to Romans 13. Submit to the authority God's placed over you. We submit to the authority God's placed over us until they tell us to disobey God. Amen? And then we don't. And again, I, I just want to make it clear that I pray, we need to pray for our government. We need to pray for those in authority over us. And praise God that he is the God of the, of, of the whole world and he's in control. But there are things within the body of Christ. Some are, are used by God for his honor and his glory. And some that are within the body are for dishonor. Verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for his master, prepared for every good work. He's not speaking of salvation as we cannot cleanse ourselves unto salvation. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but what? But a Jesus. But from the latter, he's saying from the false doctrine, the false teachers, the vessels of dishonor. If we dismiss ourselves from those things that are drawing us away from the Lord, we're already born again. We're new creations in Christ. We cannot save ourselves. But that part of that sanctification process is us submitting to the Lord and, and honoring God and having lives that bear fruit. And when that happens, we become usable for the kingdom of God. The cleansing here is not unto salvation, but separation. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. Those who are separated from the world and unto God. Choose today whom you're going to serve. You're going to serve the world or serve the Lord? You're going to pander to what the world says? I put up a picture of my whole family together, and a Christian guy I know commented almost immediately, Don't you, aren't you worried about COVID? <laughs> not one bit. Can I get an amen? amen? Now I'm not saying COVID's not real and I'm not saying we shouldn't take precautions, but you know, can't threaten me with heaven. Can I get an amen? And kids, you know, really? That's the first response. First time I've been with my whole family in 15 years, COVID. <laughs> Jesus, can I get an amen? He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Those who separate themselves from those who pollute or cause problems in the body can become vessels for honor, glorious, useful, fruitful. The word sanctified, again, means set apart and useful for the master, a useful tool in the hands of the master, close to God, empty, poured out, useful. It says, prepared for every good work. The master chooses his cleanest vessels to use to serve a guest. When you had your Thanksgiving dinner, did you, did you bring out your dirty dishes to feed people on? Or did you give them the best you had? And you know, the same is true. The Lord does work through uh, clean and willing vessels. Later, he would say, separate, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one. He can show himself strong on account of one whose heart is loyal to him. The Lord desires to use us for his kingdom and his glory. And he's going to use those who are set apart unto him. Can I get an amen to that? Now, I'm not saying that we, we earn it or we somehow we make it happen through our own, but, but the Lord's going to use those who are submitted to him, who are willing to be used for his kingdom and its glory. It says, prepared for every good work. We carry refreshment within us, but the vessel must not be caked with junk. Amen? Again, one, one set apart unto him is the one that will be used mightily by him. Unless you guys know my testimony as we close now that you know, it was years ago, I was living in Lancaster and I was in my early twenties and I was on the setup team and my wife and I were serving in the nursery and people would ask me, are you going to be a pastor like your dad? And I would always say, no, no. And then I set all these, these goals for myself at work. And by the grace of God, I 
you know, was number one sales guy in our company, and they had me speak at this big convention down at Anaheim Convention Center. And I'm in my early 20s, and I'm making more money than I could ever spend and all this nonsense. And I'm driving home. I pull off an acting in a parking ride, and I just start weeping. And I'm like, you know what? I've got beautiful wife, beautiful daughter, beautiful home. So what? As far as eternity is concerned. I made a bunch of money. I broke a bunch of sales records. Who cares? And what happened was I, I just cried out to God. And I said, God, I know you want more for my life than this. And the answer is, whatever the question is, Lord, the answer is yes. If you want us to move to China, we'll move to China. Lord, whatever you want for us, I'm in. And you know that my life changed from that day forward. And I believe that was the first time I was ever baptized. With the Holy, what they call it? baptism, Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. As my dad would just say, just get it. Can I get an amen? And my life was radically changed. And it was just the, the following Sunday, the pastor got up and said, if anybody here feels like God wants to do more with their life, I'm like, and he started a discipleship class. And four weeks in, he asked me to be the youth pastor. And a few months after that, he had me teaching the church. I mean, and he threw me in the deep end of the pool. And you know what? And I praise God every single day that I have the absolute privilege of serving him. Because guys, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And nothing else is going to matter. Can I get an amen? We'll finish next week, but I do want to say this. It says there in verse 22, flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. We are known by not only what we run toward, but what we run from. The Bible says a man cannot hold fire to his bosom and not be burned. Can we walk through a muddy field and come out clean on the other side? And as Christians, we have to choose today whom we're going to serve. We can't, we can't follow two masters at the same time. Amen. If you've got a pet sin over here you're hanging on to, this is between you and the Lord. God knows what it is. It's time to repent and get right with God. Amen? And to flee from that. But when we flee from that, we got to run to something. And we need to run to the Lord, run to fellowship, run to, to spending time with God's people. Amen? This is why the enemy wants all the churches closed. Why does he want them closed? Because, and why does the word of God say, forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches? Because watching on TV is fine. And if that's all you can do, praise God. But it's like, it's like watching a, a, a fireplace on television as opposed to sitting next to a real one. Can I get an amen? And you know what? We need to be in fellowship and we need to not only run from the youthful lust, but to run toward the Lord. Amen? So we'll finish it next week, but be a diligent worker faithful in what you teach and whom you seek approval from and how you deal with false teachers. And then be a sanctified vessel. Again, a vessel for honor. Sanctified, useful for the master. Again, cleanses, flees, pursues, and avoids. We know that God has a calling upon our life. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. I pray, Lord, for anybody here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You recognize you're a sinner and you know you have a need for a savior. If you're here today and that's your, your heart, that as the word of God's been taught, you're feeling convicted. We all recognize that we're sinners. We all raised our hands. But you know what? God can't have one sin in heaven or he's got earth part two. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. And praise God, he keeps writing in Romans after that. Because when he gets to chapter 10, he says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, maybe you've been going to church a long time or makes the first time you've ever been, I want to give you an opportunity to make that confession before the Lord. If that's your desire, just raise your hand right where you are and I want to pray with you, anybody at all. Let today be the day of salvation. Don't leave here without the Lord, anybody at all. I also feel led to ask this. Just as we saw that there are those who have allowed themselves to walk away from the Lord and be walking in their flesh, and you know that you've got an area of your life where you need to repent. It's an area that's maybe become a stronghold in your life. It's an area where you recognize that behavior is not okay, and I've tried to make it okay in my life. If that's your desire to, to say, Lord, I want, you don't need to tell me anything. You're just between you and the Lord. But if you want to, for, for me to pray for you right now to say, you know what, Lord, I know there's an area of my life that needs to change. And Lord, I know I need to repent. And I've been letting this go, go on way too long. If that's your desire, just raise your hand where you are. And I want to pray for you. Anybody at all. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.
God bless you. Lord, I pray for all of these whose hands are raised. Lord, that they, you, Lord, whatever that area is, they come confessing that publicly before you. Lord, I pray you would comfort them, strengthen them. You would help them to turn away from that behavior and surrender their lives fully to you. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would never be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives, that we would never fool ourselves into thinking that we can live in open rebellion against you and be blessed by you at the same time. Lord, we come humble and broken before you. You are a great and an awesome God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said...